Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of the Policy Matters podcast, FTC's crackdown on non-compete agreements through rulemaking. In the first part of this episode, we discussed sort of the contours of the rule and how broad it was, how it's applicable to all kinds of workers. Now we're going to get, I think, to uh, at least maybe the part that is most interesting to me, and that would be, you know, what kinds of constitutional challenge we're likely to see. I know that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has already commented that they're likely to challenge the rule. Uh, To that end, Dan, what kind of legs do you think a challenge to this incredibly broad rule would have? Yeah, I I think there are significant grounds for challenging the FTC's rule. I mean, one approach would be just the breadth of it, which we've talked about in the last episode and and the significant burden it's going to put on employers and the fact that it's treating everybody from, you know, the the CEO to a, a, a new hire the same way. But I think a bigger issue is whether the FTC even has authority to issue any rules in this area. And I think that's really a highly questionable proposition that the FTC has. They're basing their authority to make rules on Section 5 of the FTC Act, which says the commission is hereby empowered and directed to prevent persons, partnerships, or corporations from using unfair methods of competition in or affecting commerce and unfair or deceptive acts or practices in or affecting commerce. That's it. Yeah. doesn't say anything in the, in, in the act about regulating non-compete agreements or really regulating anything in the employment space. And you can look back at the congressional record from 1914 when Congress passed that statute, and you're not going to see anything in there about employee non-competes. You're going to hear concerns from Congress about interlocking directorates and monopolies in the railroads and and all the other concerns that were really important during that you know progressive moment in American history in the early 20th century. Non-competes were around in 1914. Congress didn't say anything about them. It's highly questionable whether Congress intended to give the Federal Trade Commission the power to regulate employee non-competes. Just last year, the Supreme Court struck down EPA regulations in the West Virginia case uh, under the major questions doctrine. And the idea is that Congress doesn't usually hide an elephant in a mouse hole. If they're going to give an agency power to regulate on such a significant area of the economy, typically they're more express about it. But there's a second doctrine that could also be at play here is that even if Congress had given the FTC authority to issue rules in this area, this is such a significant area that you would think that that's the kind of back and forth that Congress would reserve to itself in the legislative process. And so that's the non-delegation doctrine. I think both of those are potentially at issue here. I think the first point, which is the major questions doctrine, probably begins and ends the analysis. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. And I think that, you know, I've been I've been giving a lot of talks lately. Indeed, uh, I, during our Policy Matters Summit in September, I spoke a lot to sort of the administrative state being bullied by SCOTUS currently. And I think that we have a, a significant number of Article Three judges, including at the very top in SCOTUS, who would be very willing to entertain challenges just like this and who are concerned about the growth of the administrative state through unelected, expansive rules of this 
nature. Now, Robert, this could all be kind of done away with, given that currently there is a bill in Congress, right? And if legislation accomplishes this goal, the challenges do not have the same kind of weight. What does that bill in Congress look like? Yeah, absolutely. The new development came out on February 1st, the Workforce Mobility Act proposed by uh, two senators, Christopher Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, and Todd Young, a Republican from Indiana. They're proposing legislation which would give the FCC and the Department of Labor authority in this space and would be a national ban on non-competes. And they even, when they announced it on February 1st, you know, Senator Murphy in his statement said that he was glad that the FTC had proposed a rule to ban the use of non-competes, but he thought that Congress should go even further and pass legislation to protect workers and uh, support entrepreneurs. So not letting, you know, the Constitution get in the way of the, you know, the FTC trying to, to regulate in this space, it looks like there's at least a movement at Congress to um, you know, pass a federal ban on non-competes. Now, this is not something that's you know new. Over the several years, there's been different bills that have been introduced into either the House or the Senate, putting different limitations on uh, non-competes. But they really haven't gotten any traction. I think what's you know interesting to note on this particular bill is that it is bicameral and it is bipartisan. And uh, it, it is, you know, in a, this crucial time period where the, the, the FTC has, you know, proposed a rule. And if they're, you know, they're not effective, then it may be that the, the, it goes down this legislative path to get some changes um, in non-competes. This Workplace Mobility Act is somewhat similar to the FCC's proposed rule. Uh, there's some material differences. It is as sweeping and as broad as the FTC's act, but it also provides for, get this, a uh, private cause of action uh, against employers. So you could look at, uh, you know, class actions being brought uh, for those employers that use uh, non-competes in violation of the legislation. And it also charges the FTC and the Department of Labor uh, with enforcement. Employers will be required to uh, post notices in, in break rooms about the ban on uh, non-competes. So this is a very you know dynamic and changing environment in our current administration. You know if the FTC doesn't get what they want, whether or not something is able to make its way you know through Congress, it, these are all uh, important questions. Does it pass, Robert? You know, I, I think Dan and I were trying to handicap that. I mean, if you would have asked us this. If you <laughs> the the audience should know that we are handicapping. So like, but this is not a professional endeavor that we're engaging in right now. No, I mean, I think, I think you would have asked Dan and I about this last year. We'd say no, because there was a sort of yeah. a track record that, uh, you know, it, it hadn't really gotten out of, you know, committee. But, you know, in light of the FTC really making, trying to, you know, put something through and people challenging the FTC's um, authority here, if, in fact, there's, you know, bipartisan, you know, support, that, you know, who knows what kind of deal could be cut, you know, in, in connection with other policy choices outside of non-competes to get some sort of you know, legislation through. I think that the business community is trying to get organized around opposing uh, the FTC's rule. There was about 100 business organizations from the Chamber of Commerce to the Retailers Association, all different organizations that appear, you know, they've asked for an extension on the time to comment, but it appears that they're sort of rallying around uh, opposing the FTC's uh, proposed rule 
whether they also, you know, get behind trying to, um, you know, convince the congresspersons not to move forward with one of these, you know, this Workplace Mobility Act, you know, remains to be seen. So I said, I was a betting person, I would say no, but I think it, it, it may go hand in hand with what the discourse is around the, the FTC's proposed rule and the, the, the comments that the FTC received. It's interesting to me because as I, as I, like this administrative issue, state issue has been percolating for me for, for about a year and a half now, especially ever since the West Virginia versus EPA case. I think it's really interesting that all those cases are saying, Congress, Congress, you do it, you do it, you do it. And now Congress is trying to do it, right? So but we'll see. You know, Dan and I had an interesting conversation about this before as well, uh, about the possibility of this passing. And like Robert and Dan, you know, last year I probably would have said, ha, huh, no way. But especially last year, we saw more legislative movement than we've seen in a really long time. I think that is highlighted specifically by the Ending Force Arbitration Act and the Speak Out Act. Uh, Those both passed with broad bipartisan support. And this, you know, it looks like this has bipartisan support as well. I think that the biggest difference is that those two measures had a very specific lobbying group, and that's Gretchen Carlson's Lift Our Voices group, right behind it, pressing it and lobbying against it, right? I don't know that there is a similar association that is pressing for this measure the same way, but it does appear that there is a lobbying effort against it, right? So I don't know that it has the same chance as those other bills did of passing, but we'll see. But Dan, I did want to get, I, we talked about this a little bit before as well, and I, and I think it's kind of interesting is that there's rulemaking happens at agencies every single day. You know, OSHA increases its civil penalties through rulemaking, right? But I've never heard a piece of rulemaking talked about like this. I've never heard such hyperbolic comments over a piece of rulemaking like this from people at the top of the executive branch, right? And why do you think that is, Dan? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I, I do know that during the presidential campaign, now President Biden had made addressing non-competes one of the priorities that, that he had committed to. There was nothing at that point that would indicate that it was going to be such a sweeping change. But I do think that's a part of it. You know, Robert and I are litigators. And, and as litigators, you know that when you are negotiating a settlement, uh, you always go in with a number that's much higher than where you want to end. <laughs> and so it, it occurs to me this could be the administration's you know, initial demand and something that's far less than what's been proposed in the proposed rule would be a win. And I could see a situation where not the FTC, because I, I don't think they have authority to do this, but where Congress passes some more measured approach to banning non-competes as to some workers. There has been a move, you know, in Congress over the past couple of years to, to do that kind of a, of a change. And, and one of the proposals that had been floating around by Senator Rubio was to amend the FLSA to ban the use of non-compete agreements for employees who are not properly classified as exempt under the FLSA. Now, I think that raises questions. Right. Well, that, that'd be a more reasonable approach. I, I think yeah. there's still questions as to whether Congress needs to be involved at all or yeah. whether you rely on the states as a laboratory of democracy to, to have different approaches. You know, there's an argument that, you know, we should let California be California and let Florida be Florida and see which approach ultimately is the better one. I could see, particularly with the FTC stepping in this area, that might be enough to move the ball forward 
to at least having something done at the federal level and potentially something that business could get on board with as well, perhaps hoping that the uniformity of having a federal standard would be beneficial to businesses. I'll say this, Dan. The FTC promulgating this rule definitely got the whole uh, world, at least the policy world, talking about non-compete agreements, right? And I think what Dan was referring to uh, as far as settlement negotiation, I believe it's called setting the anchor. When you give the highest possible demand you can, I think that we're kind of all in hopes that that we see the FTC's proposal as really setting the anchor. And then perhaps the Administrative Procedure Act will play out the way it's supposed to, in which an agency proposes a rule and actually listens and changes the substance of the rule based on the comments that are provided to it. Perhaps we'll see that, but that's a conversation for another day. I want to once again thank Stan and Robert for an excellent podcast that covered a lot in a short amount of time. You guys are wonderful, and hopefully, maybe at some point, maybe a year down the line, we'll see where this went. We'll hop back on the old WebEx for uh, for another round. Right. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you all.